Welcome to the Beyond the Sermon podcast. Over the next 20 minutes, our goal is to dig deeper into the themes and topics of the most recent Sunday teaching. We'll look to tackle some of the challenging kinds of questions that you may be thinking as you heard the message but didn't get the opportunity to ask the teacher at the time. So whatever you're doing right now, at the gym, driving, folding laundry, whatever it might be, we invite you to listen in as together we go Beyond the Sermon. Well, welcome, everyone. My name is Will Heron. I'm the Director of Discipleship at The Ridge, and I'm also your host for Beyond the Sermon. And with me today, of Ridge Lead Pastor, Mike Van Rees. Mike, welcome back. Yeah, thanks, Will. Yes, good to have you. So we're continuing our series in the Gospel of Luke, and this past Sunday, you honed in on one of the most eccentric characters in the Bible, that is John the Baptist. Now, John was one of the, the first prophets of God to come on the scene and literally hundreds of years. He begins preaching a message of repentance because the kingdom of God is coming near. The Messiah is on the way. But even in the midst of that confident proclamation, John has has questions and he has doubts. And so John asks a legitimate question of his cousin, Jesus. He says, are you the Messiah or are you the one? And Mike, some have said this is the most important question any of us will ever answer because if Jesus is God, It literally changes everything about our past, our present, and our future. But I'm also aware that there's a lot of people who see Jesus differently. He may be a moral teacher at best. So can I ask you, what reasons would you give to a stranger for Jesus being more than a good teacher, but actually being the Son of God? Yeah, I I would affirm what you said. I do think it's not only an important question, Will. It's the most important question. Yes. Uh, because the answer to that question, it really changes everything. If, if he is truly who he claimed to be, there's never been anyone or anything like that, and it has a lot of implications for our life. So, yes, very important question. And I think it's important for us as Christians, um, if we are followers of Jesus, to understand, well, why do I believe that? Mm. Um, I heard it. You know, personally, I, I've heard it as long as I can remember. You know, I grew up in a Christian family, got brought to Sunday school and church, and so that's been a part of my life. But there comes a point in time when it's really important to recognize, why do I believe that? Mm. You know, what's behind it? And for me, I think with this particular question about who is Jesus, there is so much credible evidence. Mm. Um, It's not just something you learn in Sunday school. There's so many valid reasons for it. I'll I'll hit on a couple of them, but Mm -hmm. I'm certainly not going to exhaust the the topic. I think there'd be value in in anyone digging deeper. Probably the primary one for me is he claimed that he was God. Right. That's a big deal. And and biblically, there are references to that. John 14, uh, he says, if you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. John 10, he gets even more clear. He says, I and the Father am one. Mm-hmm. And if you see what happens in that passage as it unfolds, that really ticked the religious leaders off because they right. understood he was claiming to be God. Maybe you're in a situation where, you know, of course the Bible's going to say that because, you know, it's, it's biased. It's moving toward that anyway. There's historical evidence that mm. Jesus claimed to be God, the crucifixion. Mm. There's really no one in history that I know of that who denies that Jesus of Nazareth was crucified. Mm. That's in the Roman records. Why was he crucified? Well, that's also a part of recorded history. He was crucified for blasphemy, mm. which is claiming to be God. Right. 
So whether you accept the Bible, whether you don't, you have to deal with the reality that Jesus wasn't just some good teacher. He wasn't just a moral leader. He claimed to be God. What do you do with that? Mm. If he is, that takes you down one path. If he wasn't, you, you can't just say, well, he's still a great guy. No, then, then he's a liar, and he has deceived millions of people through the years. So it's really one or the other on that one. He claimed to be God. I think that's a really big one. The resurrection, that's a really another a clear one. What happened? Something happened there. Mm-hmm. We're still talking about it 2,000 years later. So I think it's really important to go back and what did happen. Why didn't somebody come up with a body? He's dead. Here he is. Uh, we've got him. Uh, there's a lot that can go into to that thinking as well. What happened to Jesus after the crucifixion? And why did none of his followers ever recant? You know, his 12 closest, they, they, were, they were persecuted. They were imprisoned. They were beat. Not one of them said, you know, yeah, we made that up. Right. Um, I know where the body is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. to take it. And conspiracy theories, they fall apart uh, at some point in time. Typically through through years, that one, nothing ever did. So how do you explain what happened with that resurrection? How do you explain what happened with the followers? And last one I'll, I'll mention, and again, there's a lot more, but if you just look objectively at Jesus, he is the most influential person who has ever lived. The influence that he has had on this world is tremendous. Most of the, a lot of the the values that Western civilization is based on come from the teachings of Jesus. You know, Mm -hmm. for us, it's like, it's normal. That's just the way the world is. That's not the way the world used to be. You know, an example would be Jesus was the one who came in and really said, every single person matters. Up to that day, you know, you, you got... Plato and Aristotle, who were saying, well, some people are born to be slaves, some people are born to be free, some are born to be leaders, some aren't. Jesus said everybody matters. Mm -hmm. Everybody's created in the image of God. And that philosophy is what eventually led to things like with the United States, when we talk about the, the Declaration of Independence and things that each person is created with inalienable rights, that comes from the teaching of Jesus. His influence would be another one. So how do you explain that? Makes me think this of a bizarre story, Mike, and stay with me here, and listeners, stay with me. I had a friend of mine who was doing a wedding in Geneva in Switzerland. Pretty nice. So yeah, and, Nice setting. And he, uh, to get to the, uh, the where the ceremony was going to happen, they had to actually go up, at least a lot of the guests had to go up on those little chairlift things. Totally bizarre. But the view was, like, amazing from where they were far. But anyways... Jamie, my friend, he's going to do this wedding, but he sits down and I think it was the uncle of the bride or something like that, or great uncle, something like that, sits down and he immediately recognizes him as one of the Monty Python crew, <laughs> like, you know, the comedians. Mm-hmm. No, I've never seen any of their movies. There's one in particular called The Life of Brian, I think, and apparently it's quite blasphemous because they try and like make fun of Jesus and that kind of thing. But the interesting thing was, they got into this conversation about this movie. This comedian, I can't remember what his name was, but he said, you know what? We went through Jesus' teaching and we tried to find something to make fun of, but we couldn't find anything. The teaching was brilliant. Here's a group of people who are sitting around thinking, okay, how do we take the, the mech out of this guy? You know, And they couldn't find anything because his teaching was brilliant. And for me, Mike, when I look at Jesus' teaching, 
and his claim to be God, the two go hand in hand. Someone to have that kind of insight into the the human being in terms of what they were made for and how we were meant to live and how we were meant to treat each other and all those kind of things. It, it feels like a God-like perspective. And so that has always been really, really convincing for me when I when I look at those teachings. And some people say, well, it was probably the disciples. They were just making up some, some of the stuff. Man, I wish I was one of them making stuff up like that. You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't seem likely. And like you said, some of those teachings have formed foundation, the foundation of civilizations. And so I just thought that was very interesting that here's this one comedian doing his very best to basically say Jesus is far from being God, and yet they were stumped. thought it was quite fun. Fun story. Yeah. Yeah, I think when we, you, you don't have to dig very deep to realize there is something unique about Jesus of Nazareth. Yes. Well, Mike, one of the main themes in your message related to trusting God through difficult experiences in our lives. But if we're being honest, within those seasons, we can experience doubt and confusion, just like John the Baptist in our passage this week. Do you have any guidance on how we can balance lament in difficult times, you know, being honest about our doubt, our pain, our disappointment, but also remain in a place of faith before God? Yeah, let, let me, I'll get there. Let me say this. The passage that we looked at this week from John the Baptist, this was one of the most surprising passages in this first half of the Gospel of Luke to me. And the reason is because we, we talked about John at the beginning of this series, and, and in John we see things. He was he was born, right? Mary and Elizabeth, his mom, and Jesus' mom, they, they were related, some form of a cousin in there. Most likely, Mary and, and Elizabeth were tight. Most likely, John has been hearing about Jesus his whole life. Mm. You know, I'm, again, this isn't in a verse, in a chapter of the Bible, but most likely his parents told him about what happened, how Mary came, you know, about the virgin birth, about there's something about Jesus that mm. is, is divine. He would have heard these things. So there's, there's that piece of things growing up. He knew who Jesus was. He, he was related to him. Um, and, and then you get the passage where in, in chapter 3 where there's the baptism of Jesus. I don't think Jesus was a stranger to him. I think he knew who Jesus was. And he gets the dove. He gets the audible voice during the baptism. Wow, you know, really clear. And so he starts saying the message, prepare the way for, for the way of the Lord. And then he's like, this is the guy. It's Jesus. But when we get to this chapter in Luke chapter 7, he's doubting that. He's had all of these things take place through the years, and yet now, at this moment in time, he's like, is it you, or, or should we expect another? And, and that's fascinating to me, and I think, well, why? What would cause that? And what we see in here, there's one thing that caused that. He was in a difficult situation. Mm -hmm. He was in prison. Life was not going the way he wanted it to go. He saw Jesus healing. He saw Jesus providing for other people, but he wasn't doing it for him. And maybe my favorite part of this passage is how Jesus responds to those doubts. Not a lick of shame. Jesus didn't come in and say, John, come on. Right. I can't believe that you're asking me that question. Mm -hmm. He didn't shame him listened, he received that, and then he still said this in, in verse 28, he says, among, there is none born among women 
uh, like this John. So even after John has these doubts and asks this question, Jesus is still affirming him. So you ask the question, how do we balance, you know, lament and faith? And I think that's one of the things we do see happening here Mm -hmm. uh, with John. My response to that is I don't think we balance. I don't think that it's a balance between lament and faith. Inclined to think that maybe lament is a prerequisite to faith. That's good, or, or mm-hmm. something that it necessi- is necessary for us to truly have faith, because we don't really need faith when everything is going the way that we want it to go. Faith is when we it's not going the way we don't want it to get. We want it to go, mm-hmm. and we're wondering what's going on. You know, when we're when we're kind of confused about it. So, if we want to grow in faith. Uh, my thinking on that is don't ignore the doubts, don't deny the challenges in life, but rather acknowledge them, name them, and put your faith in God anyway. It's interesting, Mike, depending on where our listeners, maybe if they grew up in the church, I've definitely been in certain circles whereby to name any doubts is seen as a real weakness of faith, actually, Mm -hmm. Uh, to, to question and to say, is are you are really the son of God? Like, is this really true? Like, I've heard it from so-and-so, or I've heard it from my family or my parents, or heard it from the pastor at the front, but I, and now I'm really starting to, to wonder if that's really true. And yet, in my experience, that's so often where you can develop deep roots of faith, is in those, those areas of, of questioning, but Questioning with God, too, that's important. I think when you bring those things to God, you're not pushing yourself away from him. You're saying, Lord, would you help me understand this? Would you reveal yourself by your Holy Spirit? Um, Would you help me to see this more clearly? Would you build my trust and faith in in you and who you are? And so, man, I, I think if there's something here at the Ridge that we've done over the years, whether it's through Alpha or series like Big Questions of Faith, we always want to, to to provide spaces like that where people are able to come and say, why do we trust the Bible like mm-hmm. so much? Or why do we believe that God even exists? Because we want people to be able to have space to process those things. But to be honest, Mike, I always want, I also want people to be equipped to be able to share and give reasons why they have that faith. So that's why you realize it can be so dangerous when somebody just says, don't deal with that, push it away. And I like what you said there, Will, about bringing God into it with you mm. instead of distancing and, oh, I'm going to get it figured out. And then yes, when then I do, I'll maybe I'll come back. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. John did that. If you look at what happened in this passage, I do think that this God is modeling how we should handle doubts. John, where did he go with his doubts? To Jesus. That's right. Um, and so he said, it's okay to have things that we wonder about or don't have figured out. Bring God into that and uh, some some pretty amazing things can come out of that. I love that. Really, really good. Okay, I want to close with uh, a quote from your message. You said this, The closer I walk with Jesus, the more faith is required. The more I trust him, the more I risk for him. The more valuable he is to me, the less valuable everything else is to me. Faith matures from seeking Jesus to provide my temporary pleasures to trusting him to lead where and how I can bring about the most good. Perhaps you're right where God wants you to be, even if it's a prison. So, Mike, would you say that, just broadly thinking then, does God have purpose for everything in our lives? Should we be looking for God's purpose in everything? The experiences that we have, places that we live, jobs that we have, all that kind of stuff. 
I'll respond yes with two caveats. Okay. Um, so mostly yes. I think the caveats that I'd throw in there is one, purpose in everything doesn't mean that everything is good. Right. Those are two different things. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes those can get confused. Saying there's purpose in anything in everything doesn't mean that that's necessarily God's ideal plan. It's kind of the Romans 8.28 passage, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called to according to his purpose. It can be mm-hmm. twisted by saying, oh, well, everything that happens is good. No, that's right. not what it says. It says God is working for good in all things. So is there purpose in everything? Yes. Does that mean that everything is God? Is good and everything is exactly the way God would want it to be? No, we live in a fallen world. Um, he's given some freedom. And so not everything is exactly the way that God um, would desire it to be. So Paul, John, he's in prison. That wasn't good. That was evil. The re- reason he was in prison was because Herod had been committing sexual sin. John confronted him on that. Herod didn't like that, threw him in jail. Mm-hmm. That's not good. That happened because of evil. So, yep, there's purpose in it. God can use bad things for good, but that doesn't mean it's good. So that would be the one caveat. I think the second caveat that I'd throw in there is we can't always discern what that purpose is. Do I think there's purpose in everything? I do. I believe that. Mm-hmm. Can I always get to that purpose? Can I always understand that purpose? No, mm-hmm. I can't. Um, there are things I do believe God is doing and has a, a reason behind that, but I can't figure it out. Yeah. You know, and, and there's some of the, personally, I would look at it here. If I'm looking at this passage in scripture, this would be one that I, I don't understand the purpose of it. Why was John in prison? Okay. Mm. What's the, pur- what was the purpose in that? Cause from my mind, the way I'm thinking, I'm like, it might've been better if he lived. What, mm. How cool would it have been if John would have been one of the 12 disciples? Yeah. You know, that's probably the way I would have written it up. Yeah. That's not the way that God did. Um, I don't know why. John wasn't one of the 12 disciples. I don't know why he was in prison. I don't know why uh, God allowed him to be headed. I don't know. Um, mm. But do I think there's purpose? Yeah. Here, here we are a couple thousand years later. We're learning from it. Yes. Right? We're hearing God through it. Um, so God's purpose, We in the moment, we can't always figure it out or understand what it is. But I do believe that there is purpose in it. Well, Mike, thanks so much for your time again today and for prepping for these podcasts as well. I don't often thank you for that, but uh, I do appreciate the prep that you put in for, for these doing, segments doing every week. I enjoy doing you, Will. You uh, lead a good podcast. I really appreciate your Cool. Efforts. Yeah, well, it's always fun. And thank you for listening. Just before you go, we'd love to draw your attention to our new series on the Ridge University podcast. That's our other podcast, in case you're, you're a new listener. It's called The Story Behind the Story, and I had recently sat down with a friend of mine, Seth Sparks, and we talked about the popularity of certain plot lines like good versus evil, romance, rags to riches. Turns out these popular stories have some deep connections to God and the Bible, so why not check those out as we explore the biblical roots to our fascination with fiction. So thanks again for being with us. We'll hope you'll join us next time on Beyond the Sermon. I hope you enjoyed our conversation this week. I want to mention one last thing before we go. Our heart at The Ridge is to help people grow in their relationship with God. There are so many ways to get connected into what can be life-changing environments for you and your family. The best way to keep in touch with all that is happening is through our website, ridgelife.org, but also through our weekly e-news. You can sign up to receive this directly to your inbox using the link in our podcast show notes. Finally, thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please feel free to share with friends or family. We hope to catch you next time on Beyond the Sermon.